Hello and welcome to Let's Talk About Fertility. I'm Maya Dunphy and you're listening to a special Irish Times podcast in association with VHI Healthcare. We're starting a conversation about fertility that we hope will educate, support and challenge our thinking around this incredibly important issue. I'm joined in studio with two women to hear their own fertility stories. Ruth Petherick is a teacher and mother of one. Ruth, you're very welcome. And Samantha Ring is a stay-at-home mum with two boys. Sam, thanks for joining us. Now, I guess... It, this is such an emotive, personal thing. I spoke to both of you very briefly today, and thank you so much for coming in and opening up, which we hope you will. But I guess, Ruth, we'll start with you, because what I found interesting when I spoke to you very briefly was, I think for a lot of women, um, they only find out that there is a problem when they try for a family and it just it just doesn't happen. But interestingly, you had endometriosis, which was diagnosed when you were younger. So I guess you know, knew from a younger age that there might be a problem ahead for you. Well, in actual fact, I didn't. Um, the, the endometriosis wasn't actually diagnosed. That was part of the problem. Ah. I had always had um, very, very painful periods from my teenage years all the way up. Uh, but I didn't actually know what the problem was uh, until... Uh, late 30s, really, um, we had been trying and nothing was happening. I didn't meet my partner until my 30s. So, you know, that's the reason why we were late, late starting. Um, but it wasn't until I went for a laparoscopy and uh, I had to push for that, actually. And uh, at that point, they identified that my both of my fallopian tubes were blocked, uh, completely blocked um, as a result of endometriosis and um, that I would never conceive naturally. But it was a shock to me, even though I'd had the painful periods, I didn't know what the reason for that was. Yeah. Did you see a doctor when you were younger at all? Well, my mum would have taken me to the GP and I would have gone myself in my 20s and just repeatedly told, you know, go home. You know, everybody every has time. yeah, everybody yeah. has painful periods. Don't be making such a big deal over it. And I remember having morphine injections for, uh, you know, in my late 20s for really, really extreme period pains. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just an, an experience of not really being listened to. And actually, <clears throat> when I first went to see a gynecologist uh, in my 30s and her initial, they did an ultrasound and nothing particularly showed up on that because uh, as far as I know, endometriosis wouldn't necessarily show up on on, uh, on an ultrasound. And she told me to go home and relax and let it happen. Oh, and luckily, I didn't trust her. Mm. Uh, luckily, I listened to my own instinct because my, my instinct was telling me, no, there's something, there's something wrong. I think that happens yeah. to... I don't want to turn this into a, a sort of more holistic female conversation, but women tend to be dismissed a lot, I think. Mm. And, I mean, even when you were younger, because I presume if you had had this problem diagnosed when you were younger you could have dealt with those problems earlier on. It wouldn't have ended up with blocked fallopian tubes. Yeah, and one of the things I was saying to you earlier was I teach relationships and sexuality at senior level in in secondary school. And it's one of the things that, as a result of my own experience, I've started to really introduce into the course. And just to kind of say that to them, you know, just trust your own instinct, trust your own body. Your body tells you, uh, you know, what it needs to tell you. And if you have any issues, pursue them and, and, you know, say to your your mums to pursue it, you know, with a doctor or whatever. And don't just settle for, and that's not to undermine doctors, that's not to make any statement about doctors do a great job. And, you know, I have my little girl as a result of doctors. So, you know, but it is, I suppose, 
they don't know everything. And I'm, I'm hoping things maybe have moved along a little bit since yeah. then. But I think you're right. It, it's, it's, it's go with your gut. It's yeah. like when you become a mother, go with your gut. And that's very interesting when you talk to, to younger. I mean, I presume they're, they're still in their so teens. They're, they're 16, 17, Because 18. if you talk to younger, you know, even, gosh, when I was 25, you talk to younger people about fertility issues, they will often just think, it's so far in the future, yeah. I don't want to think about that now. But actually, if a younger woman has problems that are that severe, it may save her a lot of pain Absolutely. in the future. And even if it just stays in their mind, even if yeah. they even if they hear yeah. it and they, they lodge it somewhere back in the back of their head, yeah. but that they can, you know, later on just say, oh, actually, I remember this being said to me. Uh, it's just to plant the, the awareness there more than anything yeah. else, I think. So at what point then did you seek out help for fertility? Pretty much immediately. That was 2007 when I was diagnosed with my, uh, with that the tubes were, were blocked. Um, and our first cycle was in 2008. Um, and we, we, we got pregnant immediately. I got pregnant immediately on that first cycle, which we couldn't believe. And we felt so happy and so thrilled and so relieved. And then at nine weeks, uh, the baby's heart stopped beating. And so we, we lost that, that pregnancy and that was devastating. And it might sound ridiculous, but I didn't even contemplate miscarriage. I don't know why. I, I think I was just so pleased that it had worked first time around that we just, I, I didn't think about it. it. And I was absolutely shocked, really, really you were shocked. very, very yeah. hopeful. And when you have that very much hopeful. hope, you don't want to And I think you have to with IVF. Yeah. That's the thing. You you build your hope up every single time. So after that, then, you know, you, you, you start again. You somehow build yourself up back up again after the, the, the loss, I suppose. And uh, so we, we had another cycle then uh, that, that wasn't successful. Uh, that was in Kildare. Then we moved up to Dublin. We had a cycle in Dublin. Then we moved from there over to London, tried a clinic in London, um, had a few cycles over there, um, and then went to Alicante in Spain, had a dreadful experience there with, where a cycle that, that actually didn't end up uh, going ahead. Gosh, global and IVF. <laughs> yeah, well, this is what a lot of people end up yeah. doing. And I think it's something that people don't realise because when you start thinking about expense and everything else, all of that is pen has to be pencilled in to the equation for a lot of couples. And we ended up in Barcelona and we had a cycle there, which again wasn't successful. And But we had three frozen embryos and... Um, we, we we had to wait for a while actually before we could go back for those embryos because we just didn't have the money and emotionally we were exhausted. So your embryos were still in Barcelona. Yeah, they were waiting for you. And they you were, were waiting, and I I I'm, I I write and I I wrote to them almost oh. every day while for, during that time I just really miss them and I know that might sound really strange to some people but when you go for a cycle you get a you get a a little video of your embryos. And so I had them for a whole year to look at them. Yeah, you were speaking see. Spanish, weren't they? You know, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so when eventually when we, we, we could, we went back um, in 2012. And uh, when you go for a frozen cycle, there is no guarantee that the eggs will thaw successfully because there's quite a, a high... Uh, perish uh, some of them perish in in the thawing um so you don't you don't know whether you'd actually have something to transfer so I traveled to Barcelona with my sister and uh it was the first cycle actually that I didn't 
get really, really fit. I didn't really do very much preparation for it at all. All of the other cycles I had got really fit, got really healthy, stopped drinking, done all of that. I did practically nothing. Uh, went with my sister, went out for a meal the night before, had wine, which I would never have done before. Uh, went in the, the following morning and the three had survived the thought. Gosh. So we had the three. The three were transferred and I fell pregnant with twins. And then we lost one of them early, early in, in the pregnancy. And in February of 2013, we had our little girl, Ella. Gosh. Uh, so a long journey, but... Well, really well happy outcome, it. but my yes. gosh, what you went through. Yeah. Um, I'd like to ask you about some of the logistics of that, but I'm just going to go to yeah. Sam for a second first and ask you, Sam, about your story, um, okay. which I think about these stories is, I mean, there's, there's similarities, but there's also massive differences, isn't it? Because everyone's story is so personal well, to them. Well, that's it. And I, there is similarities in the fact that endometriosis, but I knew at a very young age, um, I knew before I was 20 that I had endometriosis, but it was like I had a laparoscopy and because, again, painful periods and like you could pass out in the middle of the street and like really, really bad. And um, I was told, oh, you have endometriosis. But that was it. And I didn't really know what it was. But there, was there was nothing until a few years later. I started really bad pains again and... I went in and had another laparoscopy and they said, yeah, you have endometriosis. It's quite bad. So you might have difficulties um, having children. And But this time I was in my 20s. Yeah. I kind of went, you have difficulties? OK, I'm sure it'll be fine by the time I, I go to have children. I, I always wanted them, but yeah. maybe when I'm 30 or, you know, that age, I was having a great time. Yeah, and which seems like a lifetime away. Yeah, it does. 20s. When you're in your twenties, yeah, you're like, relatively. You you don't think of the consequences. You really yeah. don't. You think, yeah, okay. Well, I, I'm not really trying now. So, and I'm sure it'll be fine by then. But um, then, kind of in my late twenties, I really wasn't feeling well, and I just um, again the pain, and it was actually very difficult to to function on a daily basis then with it. So. I went in again, had another laparoscopy and they said, you know, your endometriosis is, is just really bad. It's grade four. You you won't be able to get pregnant. It'll be impossible now for you to get pregnant, which was a shock. Um, and they said the only cure for it, for endometriosis, I said, what, how can I cure this? And they said, the only cure for this is to get pregnant. But after telling <laughs> you that you can't, you get can't pregnant. get Good pregnant. God. So they said, well, look, what we can do, um, we can put you on menopause treatment for six months because that also halts the endometriosis growing. So I got the injections for six months and along came the whole, all the symptoms. That also with has the massive repercussions for you and your body. And it really did. And, um, you know, I didn't really understand what was happening because I was so young. And How I'm old were you at this point, Sam? I'd say I was about 27. And um, Very young. Yeah, and I was just, you'd be out in hot flushes and you're taking off clothes, putting them back on and people would look at you as if you were crazy. And, you know, they just really didn't understand or didn't really want to know at that at that stage. And um, then again, all my friends were starting to have children. You know, you were kind of, and, you, and, it, and it was very tough because you were delighted for them, but you're, you're very sad for yourself because once you decide then, no, I actually want children, 
you kind of, unfortunately, you kind of become very obsessed with it, even though you try not to be. And, you know, and you're, you're, you kind of do put the pressure on to eat healthy, not to be drinking, not to, you know. And then if you go out and you're not drinking, then it's like, oh, you must be pregnant. Oh, gosh, and yeah, in this country. Especially. Yeah, and you're like, The amount of people on antibiotics. Yeah, that was oh, it. Oh, yes, I was chestnut. on antibiotics <laughs> about 12 times that year, you know. And um, I remember then I said, you know what, I can go down the IVF route. And I kind of just picked my spirits back up and... We went down that and I thought, you know what, it's going to be fine. So we went for the first set uh, of IVF. And now I only got two two eggs that fertilized, but they said, oh, my God, one of them is top grade. That's it. Like, that's the best you can get. And I was just ecstatic. And um, but we went in a few days later and they said, oh, I'm sorry, it, it, it just didn't take. But I, I kind of picked myself up. I was very disappointed because you're going through all the injections you're going through and and it's hard because your friends don't understand. You don't tell a lot of them. You might tell one or two because you, you're trying to do it on your own. You're trying, I don't know about you, but I kind of felt not a failure, but you felt like, you know, everyone else seems to do it. And, you know, why can't I? And they don't seem to have problems. And that was a big thing for me. And I didn't really have anyone to to talk to about that. And and I found that very lonely. Yeah, um, I think that seems, that's a recurring um, issue in everyone I've spoken to has had fertility treatment. It, it can be a very lonely place to be. Yeah. And a lot I of my friends, since having my baby, have told me that a lot of their children were were born with the help of fertility treatments. And I said, well, why didn't you tell me? And one said, well, you know, you weren't at that stage. We weren't sure you'd be interested, which is very hurtful because mm-hmm. I would have been. But and then the other one said, I didn't want to be pitied if it didn't work. And another one again said, I was afraid I would jinx it. I wanted to wait till I had a happy story because one particular friend, she just went off the radar for the guts of two years. And we thought, what is up with her? But it's very hard because your your thinking yeah. is kind of a bit messed up and you don't know how people are going to react. You don't know what to say. And then we went for our second IVF treatment and I was a lot more positive at this stage and um, we got a lot more follicles at this stage so we went into the day for implantation and then she just came, the nurse came out and said I'm sorry you've no eggs we've nothing to implant and she said obviously you're going to see the doctor in a, at a review but she said there won't be any point coming back here again because oh you have no eggs and I just always remember walking down the street like in shock. I didn't know what to make of that. And it was very cutting. I I really, I didn't know. But I went back three months later or around that time and the doctor said, look, you have no eggs. You'll never get pregnant. You know, if you want to go down the adoption route, go down. But it's just not going to happen for you. We're not going to take your money. Please don't come back. You know, so I, I was devastated and we were really, really devastated at that time. And we decided to look into other options. But the following year, I actually got pregnant on my own. Unbelievable. Which, which I I remember going down to the chemist. I think I bought 12 pregnancy tests. And <laughs> I kept saying, no, it has to be wrong. It has to be wrong. I went to my doctor and he was like, Samantha, you know, it's not possible. And I was like, I think I took the 12. And I was like, look at these. And I've he goes, peed on all these yes, tests. Look at them all. I said, tell me what is going on. And he just he just looked at me and he goes, wow, all I can say is sometimes the medical profession can get it wrong. But 
I mean, he doesn't know how it happened. And he, I myself feel that maybe the fertility treatment did kind of stimulate. do something, stimulate yeah. something. And it was just going to have to happen in my own time. Yeah. You know, but um, thankfully now I have two boys, oh. which it's eight and six. So it's, it, it is great, mad, but, but great. Um, but it was a very long journey and it was very, it was very tough. And I, I, I just wish there had been more support out yeah. there, especially with the, in the IVF clinics, you know, just because you really, yeah. you're a fish out of water. You have no I idea. what you said about mm. that one um, nurse saying to you, go home and relax, which seems so yeah. cutting and dismissive. But a lot of the time, the story Sam has just told, stress is a massive factor. Mm. Um, but Absolutely. it's very hard to tell someone who wants this more than anything in the world ah, go home and, you know, relax and unwind, do a bit of yoga, because that's it's just not how it works. And maybe if there was more understanding, more support, and even, you know, something like counselling provided, that might yeah. just offer that other layer of support. There's been, a you know, a few kind of technical things like, you know, follicles and cycles that some people might not be aware of. Ruth, could you just tell me briefly, what does a cycle of IVF actually involve? So a cycle... Um starts with uh, they, they they first of all need to suppress your your normal cycle so they bring you down to they, they bring you down to what's called a baseline so you have to take medication to in a way um, halt your cycle so that they can take control of it uh, so they take control of the cycle and then you're injecting yourself um, to grow your eggs uh, nice. And, and how often that? would you inject yourself? Um, I think it's about three times a day, if I remember. I yeah. think it's about three times three a day times, yeah. uh, you're injecting yourself. Um, and I know a lot of people sort of say, oh, my God, I, you know, how could you do that? Again, you know, if somebody had said to me, look, you need to stand on your head all day and, you know, sing the national anthem. Uh, you know, and that'll help you. I would have done it. Can you do that? That'd be impressive. Well, I, I haven't tried it, but I, you know, I'm, 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 you know, I can certainly try it. Uh, but I would if have, you had I to. would have, yeah, yeah, I would have, tri- I would have done anything. So I didn't. That didn't phase me at all. I didn't, I didn't feel, you know, hard dumb. It, that didn't bother me. That that kind of end of things. I, I just was prepared to you do whatever. It took. It. You just get and on with it. And how long um, are you injecting yourself for? How many I days or weeks? I, Honestly, I can't remember. I don't know whether you're. I think it was about four it's, weeks. It's about well, four yeah. weeks. Yeah. Then you're you take another injection to uh, bring about ovulation, um, and well, what they do is they they what Samantha was talking about is they look to see how your follicles are 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 growing, and and I suppose they're looking. It's it's an it's an unnatural um, process, so you end up often with a lot of eggs um, and it's actually quite uncomfortable. Um, you do sort of feel like, blo- you know, feel bloated mm. and um, a bit strange. Uh, but so they, they once the once the eggs have progressed to 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 that particular point and, and they they bring up you, you take a, fi- a final injection. You're also taking medication to um, to grow your your the lining of your womb at the same time. Um, so then they what what they call harvest, they harvest the eggs. So they, you go in and they, they take the eggs. And um, and how do they take the eggs out, if you don't want me asking? Is it, is it with a big well, needle? Is it it's, I suppose it's a little bit like, um, the only thing I can compare it to is, it's a little bit like having a smear, smear. done, mm. in so far as you have, a, you know, the, the sort of clamp yeah. um, put on and then... Because even that, some people just don't yeah. know how they actually... So it, it's yeah. done vaginally, is it? Vaginally, yeah. yeah, yeah. And they go in and they they um, 
harvest the eggs. I'm not actually because you're you're semi, not you're sedated. sort of sedated. So I I'm not I can't actually tell you how they do that. I'm not a hundred percent sure. So the, I'm presuming they go in with some sort of yeah. tube or something, and they they harvest the eggs, um, and then the eggs are taken. Um, fertilized with with your partner's uh, sperm and then they're left really for uh, it varies um, it can be uh, three days or five days if they take them to five days it's what's called a blast or a blastocyst uh, blastocyst stage so it just means that the embryo is a little bit more uh, developed uh, now I we never had any embryos that went to blast ours were always three-day transfers um, I'm not sure why uh, but the blast means that they they kind of know it's 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 more likely to to develop and it's more likely At the to implant. Next stage, yeah, yeah, um, and that's it. And then you have your what's called two week wait, um, which anybody who's been through the process, you know, it's like it's just a nightmare. You just you have to wait two weeks before you can test, and uh, you know, for that two weeks, you're. It's like you've put your you put yourself under a microscope. You're watching absolutely every single thing that's going on in your body, every twinge, every you know. Whereas a, a, you know a woman who who has a natural pregnancy mightn't even be aware that she's pregnant. Mm. She could, she could be going about her normal day, not even aware. When you go through IVF and you're you're going through that two week two weeks, every single moment of every day is lived at a very intense level because you're you're wondering all the time what does this mean and I lived on on websites um, and boards for women you know who were going through IVF you know I've had this sort of pain today what does this mean yeah which is probably um, in one in one uh, well, one part very helpful and probably quite counterintuitive as well of, yeah it's a bit like googling symptoms it's like googling and going, symptoms. Oh, I've got three weeks yeah. to live. what does it mean yeah. I mean yes uh, you know there's uh, you, you 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 see all of these searches and you're, you're putting in your search and, you, you you know, it throws back out yeah. something that it thinks. It's just all consuming. Yeah. I mean, IVF, three little tiny letters, but it really is all consuming. I mean, Sam, I know your gorgeous boys in the end didn't come about from the treatment you had. But did you find that that? Oh, I mean, you felt that it was just taking over your whole life. It takes over you your whole it. life. Once you decide that you want to have children and and then it's not going to happen for you. It, I mean, and you, you have to go down the fertility uh, road it is all consuming and you don't realise that until actually after you've had your children. Like, it really is. You watch everything. Just when I was listening to Ruth there, like, you just watch everything you do. You're just so protective of yourself. Um, you know, you're not out with people. I found it quite... Um, I kind of stayed away uh, from people a lot because... You felt, I felt very insecure. I felt very, Did oh my God. Lonely? Yeah, I was lonely. Um because, you know, you can get headaches, you're bloated, you're, you don't feel extremely well on it. And, and, you know, you're working at the same time and you're trying to get time off to go up and get blood tests. And so the whole thing is, is quite it stressful. And, yeah. yeah. But um, I also had another reason and that I didn't know I, I wouldn't have been able to get pregnant. And it might be interesting for some people. I had a very low thyroid and that was only found out much later on. I mean, if I didn't have the endometriosis, I wouldn't have got pregnant anyway because it really affects your fertility. So I would say to people, yeah. you know, and I didn't and know I had that. That's very common now. A lot of people have yeah. underactive thyroid. So. Yeah, and it's really hard to conceive when you have an underactive yeah. thyroid. So I'd, again, that's another thing that people could check. Just, you know, make sure you get everything checked, you know, when, you, when you're starting to try. Yeah. I think but, sometimes as well we talk about women feeling dismissed. I, I know... It, 
good friend of mine who's been trying for the last year to get pregnant and she's fit and healthy and much younger than me. But she, going to the doctor and she was asking to have things like her thyroid test and they would look, don't worry about it just yet. Just go and try and come back. She went, well, I don't really want to. I feel like I want to have these things done now. And I think, she said, I felt like I was treated like a slightly hysterical woman. And, you know, that was very undermining for her. Yeah, it's really... um I would suggest people like you go to your doctor because, you know, you feel that they're going to do something for you or help you. And it, I found the doctor, the gynecologist you need to go to. And, and if yeah. you're not happy, go to another one. Keep Absolutely. keep going and don't accept because I think we all know ourselves deep inside if there's something not not quite right. And I think you deserve, you know, the proper answers. You're yeah. going to these people, you know, experts and, you know, they should be working with you. So I think it's important to find somebody that you can trust and talk to as well. Well, I think across the board, support, support, support is very important, be it through your partner, through friends, you know, your mum, if you have your mum around still. And I think, you know, I don't want to pry too much into your relationships, but I mean, gosh, I know having had a natural pregnancy and a baby, the stress that that puts on a relationship, you know, even a good, strong relationship. So I can only imagine the pressure and the stress that, fertility treatment can put on a relationship. I think men are very bad sometimes at talking about these things too because even if the problem even does lie with your partner, mm. a lot of men, they don't want to think anything's wrong with them. You know, ah, oh, no, I'm firing on all cylinders. And it's not, there's no blame game there. It's just about, look, let's just try and, and resolve this. But I think sometimes a lot of partners might not understand exactly what you're going through. Did either of you find that if you're comfortable talking about I it? Think, um, I think it's very difficult. Um, I think men are fixers. Um, they want to fix the situation and that's their instinct. It's how they're built. And I know with my husband, um, he f- I think that's what he found really difficult was the helplessness that he couldn't do anything. The problem lay with me. Um, I felt guilty about that. I felt bad about that. Um, I felt like it was all my 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 fault in a way, even though it's not something th- there is no blame. And a little bit like Sam was saying earlier, you know, found it really difficult that my body wasn't doing what all these other women seemed to do very naturally. It was just coming naturally to everybody else and my body just wasn't working. Um, But for men, I think they're outside of it a little bit. You know, it's all happening inside the woman's body. It's a little bit like, I suppose they say, you know, men connect with their children you know, when they're born, women connect much earlier because it's it's all happening mm. inside your body. Um, and I think in terms of IVF, it's, it must be similar, you know, that it's they're trying to be there, but uh, it's very, very difficult. Um, and, and I think the the other level that it, it, it you know, uh, has an impact on relationship is is the financial. You can't undermine that, the impact of that either. It's a huge impact. I know for all of the years that we were doing IVF, there was very little else, a little like, a little like Sam is saying, your, your whole world revolves around this. I, I don't think we had a holiday in all of those years. Yeah. We couldn't afford it. Every penny went into the IVF. Now, I would do it again in a heartbeat. I'd do it a million times over. Uh, but but I think, you know, we're talking about support, um, certainly the support of your partner. Uh, my, my partner was very supportive throughout it, um, but I do think he found it difficult also. Um, you know, support of family and friends, support of the, the medical uh, profession. But also I think financial support um, is, is really lacking. Um, you know, I think it's the cost of IVF is prohibitive for yeah. a lot of couples. Mm. Um, 
we struggled hugely and actually the 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 long-term ramifications financially are still still on, they're ongoing and our daughter's nearly 4 and when it when it comes to support Sam did you have anybody else outside of your partner that you felt you could lean on well my family were great my mother was great and um my husband was great but he actually didn't think that we were ever going to have children because when the first day we went to the IVF clinic and the doctor said you know you have a 2% chance of conceiving and you know and I went out I was over the moon I was jumping and he was like why are you so happy I said 2% before we had none now we have two like you know why not me and I just I was it's rare I'd won the lotto I was like oh my god it's amazing so he was more down to earth he was realistic and even before we got married like we said look we might not have children I was like does that bother you and he was like no that's fine if we do we do if we don't we don't but he really he was supportive but he felt why are you putting yourself through this why are you doing this chances are it's probably not going to happen you know so why so I felt a little bit of resistance there Um. Which which was probably natural at the time. And, and I think he kind of resented a little bit. I was giving up so much of my time for this. And I was I was actually in a different mindset than, than him at first. But he was very supportive. I just sat down and said, look, this is I would really like this. So I really want to try it and 100 um, percent. And I want you with me. So once we kind of had that talk, he was fine. Yeah, whatever you need, whatever. But he just didn't want to see me get so disappointed. Uh, That was it. He said, you know, I didn't want your heart to break. You know, I just. But he came along with me and he was he was he was great support. Like Ruth was saying, I think they feel a bit helpless and they don't really know how to deal with that. Um, or what to do for you. I find women's emotional, <laughs> emotional uh, life difficult. You know, yes, I think they, 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 you know, they're not they sure how to deal with us. No, it's just a fact of We're life. made it's, differently. Yeah, yeah, and it is. And you bear in mind as well, you're being pumped full of hormones. Yeah. So, you know, take the normal hormonal woman and multiply her by, you know, I don't know what. You know, and that's what you've got when you've got a woman doing yeah. IVF. There's, yeah. there's a huge amount going on as well as just all of the emotional. Yeah. Well, I think you, you by the sounds but you have to almost grow a thicker skin as well because mm. well, yeah, you, you have really to do. prepare yourself for but nobody tells you any disappointment as well when it doesn't work yeah and I, like if somebody had i think the men especially need more uh, knowledge on mm. the subject and how to be there for their partners yeah. because they really don't know and you're up and down and you really are it's it's not a it's not a great time in your relationship because things can be a bit strained and stretched and you're really you're trying your best but you're as Ruth said your emotions are all over the place and it's really hard to control and and I think if you know while people were going through the cycle if there was a counselling service and said look this is what's going to happen to everybody and if anyone needs help or support but there was nothing there was yeah. nothing really there. I think in one of the clinics that we went to there was that facility there. Right. Um but I think it's you know, it's it's maybe it's quite temporary, you know, and, and, and the fact is that IVF is ongoing and I know for us that was one of the, the, the kind of the things that became difficult was that I wanted to keep trying. Um I I just felt I was a mum. And yeah. and I say that very deliberately. And I'm not saying I felt I, I wanted to be a mum. I, I knew I I was going to be a mum and that was very difficult because it was very difficult with everybody in my life because there were people around us um, family and friends who with the best of 
in, intention were saying, you know, would you not stop now? You know, maybe four or five years in, mm. um, would you not stop now? You know, you, you can have a great life without children. And there were always people who had children. Yeah. And it's but inordinately difficult um, to, to hear that. And the thing is, they that. wouldn't have meant anything no. bad. They were obviously trying to support you yeah. as well. And also, I mean, I had my son at 39 and only one place referred to him as a geriatric mum. They never oh, did that, that again. The they didn't time. make that mistake with me again. Yeah. Um, it's a dreadful term. That's awful. It's yeah. awful. But I know you had your little girl in your 40s. I had Ella when I was 45. Yeah. So I wasn't going to be specific, but thanks yeah. for that. But, that, <laughs> but, but that, is, you know, not, that is an I, older I, mum. I'm, I'm thrilled. And, yeah. you know, I'm not in any way um, embarrassed about it or ashamed about it. Uh, I feel younger now than I probably did in my 30s yeah. because they keep you young and they keep you on your toes. And um, one of my big bugbears is other people commenting on a first time mum or any mum's age you know, it's mm. like well hang on a second are you going to come look at them 4am if I'm too tired no so just mm. mind your own business I'll be grand yeah. and uh, when I went to see a doctor in London I just found out I was pregnant and I went to this doctor who and I was already kind of warned about going I am 39 she went if you came to this clinic you'd be the youngest first time mum by two years because it was a clinic in quite an affluent area. So it was a lot of women who'd put off kids deliberately for their careers. And half the mums here are IVF. They're all over 40. And she herself was an amazing woman. And she had had, she had I met the love of my life at 45. And he said to me, I wish you'd met 10 years sooner. And she went, hang on, I'm one of London's leading obstetricians. I'm young, I feel younger and stronger and fitter than ever. I'm financially secure. I can do this. So she had twins at 48 using donor eggs and IVF and then a little boy at 51. And she said, I should, there's a a cutoff point that if someone came to 65, I would say, I'm not sure this is right for you. But she said, if someone comes to me at 45 saying, this is my situation, I want to be a mum. She goes, fine. And you're healthy. That's now, As you can. you're talking about big money there as well, which is. Yeah, I've noticed, you know, even you see articles coming up on Facebook or wherever about a couple that had, had had babies later in life. And people love to comment, you know, they love to 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 make, you know, these comments about, about really? you know, on why. Facebook? I didn't yeah. know people commented yeah. negatively yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, apparently people <laughs> troll. Um, but it's 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 very upsetting when you are an older parent, uh, upsetting more, I suppose I get angry more than upset, um, you know, but as you say, people comment, I would never dream of commenting on anybody else's yeah. life choices about when they choose to have their babies babies, how many they choose to have. And for people in certainly in our situation, it's it isn't a choice. It's something you you, yeah. you had to work very hard for. Well, that's the thing. And you have yeah. other qualities when you're an older parent as well. You know, um, there are things that I know about life that I wouldn't have known had I had my children in my 30s or my 20s. Uh, they have other uh, skills and and you know, attributes that I don't have now, but I have wisdom and I have, I don't get stressed out by, you know, the the stuff, the little things. I would have been a dreadful mum in my 20s. I would have been a liability. You know, everyone is different and when when it happens for you, then it doesn't matter if it takes, okay, well, it does matter if it takes 10 years of that, you know, you wish it was sooner, but um, as you say, like... I have yeah, no my problem only regret is that I didn't have I, I didn't have another one that it, it didn't happen earlier for that reason yeah, I would have yeah. loved a, f- a family you know a bigger yeah. family I'd have loved a sibling for but Ella but you have your little girl yeah and, and she's wonderful. amazing yeah. and, and every day uh, uh, you know there isn't a day you know people say you know uh you know, you know, it'll it'll flash, it'll go by in a flash, know. and you know, you value every, every moment. Minute. But I, so but I do, and I do, and I think when you've ha- when you've, you know, you've had difficulty having your children, uh, you do yeah. in a way that that maybe other people don't. 
quite as much. Uh, every moment matters. Yeah. I think the last thing I'd like to say to you both is that, you know, we talk about it now. Well, hopefully we're starting to talk more openly. Um, but, I, you know, it, it's still relatively very new. I mean, think about our, our parents' generation. I'm sure there was some help, but there were, certainly wasn't the array of treatments there are now. So they're relatively very, very new. And I think a lot of people just don't know that much about them. They, they've heard of IVF, they've heard of IUI, but they're not quite sure. I mean, to be honest, even what you've told me today, I've learned an awful lot because I didn't go through it myself. But, you know, if both of you could offer advice to somebody who is at the starting point of things not happening naturally, um, what would you say, Ruth? What advice would you give them? What's, what step should they take initially? Well, I think my my first piece of advice would be seek help. Don't don't hold out. Don't wait. Um, I'd also say, going back to what I said earlier on, um, trust your own instinct. Um, you know, so if you're not getting the answers uh, that you feel you need, um, just pursue it. Go elsewhere. Um, and even in terms of, you know, sticking with it, um, you know, again, trust yourself and stay with it for as long as you need to yeah. stay with it. And have dinner and a glass of wine before Absolutely. the big event as well. Absolutely. Sam, yeah. would you agree with all that? Yeah, or I'd say, um, you know, get yourself checked out, all your bloods, everything, so you know that you're going with a clean slate and and then, you know, not to be fobbed off or, you know, take control of your situation and, and just say, no, you know, if you don't agree with doctors or other they're, you know, you don't feel that they're listening to you. Well, then you move to a different consultant and until you get one that you can work with and trust. I thought that was very important. It was for me anyway. And I, it it kind of, I wasn't dreading then every appointment going, oh, God, they're not going to listen to me. They're not going to. So that was very important for me. Yeah. But if anyone's having any problems, I would, that's that's the advice I would, I would give. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you so much for being so open and honest and hope it will help lots of other people. So thank you. Thanks Thanks a million. Thank you. Thanks. We'd like you to get involved with this campaign by taking the fertility quiz at vhi.ie forward slash fertility. This is a chance to get a snapshot of our knowledge of fertility overall, so please do join in. You've been listening to Let's Talk About Fertility, a special Irish Times podcast in association with VHI Healthcare. Thank you to our guests, Ruth Petherick and Samantha Ring. I'm Maya Dunphy, and this series continues on irishtimes.com forward slash fertility. Thank you for listening.